Please to Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, please. <clears throat> Just the one verse for the basis of our, our message tonight. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. It says these words, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, on today, on forever today. Let's just read it again. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, on today, on forever. Let's pray. Father, would you now shut each and every one of us in with your own self? We pray, Father, that your spirit, Father, would move in this place tonight. Lord, even as we are finished singing, Lord, songs of praise unto you, and giving thanks, Lord, and singing about yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. We give glory to his name. Father, we thank you that you are the same. Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, is the same. And we thank you you're here in the power of the Holy Ghost. You are the same, one true and living God. Father, we worship you tonight. As our faces differ, so do our needs. Lord, we welcome and we pray for those, Lord, who are watching live at this time. Lord, that they would receive a blessing, that they would receive instruction and help, Father, even healing, as your word, Lord, is proclaimed from this pulpit and platform tonight. Lord, even sitting in your presence, Lord, our people with many needs, we pray, Father, for strength for their bodies and for healing. We pray, Lord, if there's one who's not yet come to saving faith in Christ, we pray, O oh God, that they will find themselves at the foot of the cross. And, Lord, that they would repent of their sin and be born again of the Spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we, we need you. We desire you. We want you. And we cannot do without you. So we pray, Holy Spirit, move in our midst. And Father, we ask you, Lord, to meet each and every one of us at the very point of our need, which you know all about. Set the captive free, Lord, and break every yoke of bondage. And Father, we know since you are the same, we can trust and rely in your permanence. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. The little word and there is very important for us this evening. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. The idea is that the writer is, he is uh, magnifying the idea that Christ is the same. This is the way we'd read as that we'd read in the original text. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So it magnifies and uh, amplifies that which the writer is trying to tell us. What is it telling you tonight? The same Jesus who saved then, saves now. Same Jesus who healed then, heals now. The same Jesus who baptized with the Holy Ghost then, baptizes still with the Holy Ghost now. And the same Jesus which ascended up into heaven is the coming King, and he will come again to rule and reign. And we will be with him that are saved. We will be with him. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. A Greek philosopher Heraclitus, listen to what he said. Men cannot step into the same river twice. Men cannot step into the same river twice. You might go to the river, but that water's past. It gives the idea there's always change. The weather be for weeks or seconds later, when you come out, by the time you step in, that flowing river is different. You're not stepping into the same water that you stepped into before. The thought and truth of the matter is that change occurs all the time. Change occurs, occurs in our life, in our homes. Change occurs in our society and all around us. And I'm sure we could all uh, just happen to look outside today and even in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own bodies. Age changes. Our strength changes. Our moods change. Our minds change. Our wills change. Our emotions change. Everything around us changes. Our family changes. Family changes and family go on uh, where they pass on from this life and then we change again. Change after change after change. And many of us 
have turned to substance to try and ease the change, to ease the pain from that change. But nevertheless, there's change. Some of us are fitter, healthier, and well one day when we'd be less maybe the next day, week, or month. Everything around us changes. The human race is constantly having a change. Change is not only constant everywhere, but we're told that the only place where there's almost no change is in the human DNA code. That's why they can take your DNA and find so many generations and years and years back where and hence we have come from. And every race of people have DNA code. Trace it to Africa or to Asia or to Europe or wherever else. And they can change, trace our DNA. Now, I'm told that there's one little thing might change and that is one of the cells it might need to change for development and maintenance. So your body has a, a capability. If you cut yourself, you heal. You cut yourself. God has said it within us. There's healing, naturally occurring healing in our body. But there's a risk of what's known as somatic mutation, where a, 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 a cell that has been uh, reproduced itself to be able to, uh, to heal you find that that's the only thing that might change in certain cells down after that. But our DNA uh, is not changed by our environment. I want to say it again. Our DNA is not changed by the environment. The outside world isn't changing your DNA. It changes your mood. It does not change it. The outside world and whatever comes your way and what's in your life does not change your DNA code. What it does, it changes who you are. What Christ does when he comes into a life is he changes you inside out that you can deal with what's outside there. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So notice this. A DNA uh, code, our lives would change around us. Everything, all the time, is changing. I suppose if I thought about this when I was reading it, and I suppose we could call this Really, instead of DNA, you could call it really simply a sinner from Adam's race. That's what we all are. Sinners with Adam's code of DNA. When he fell in the garden and death came, so death passed on to all of us. When death came, sickness came. Sickness passed on to us. His sin passed on to all of us. And so we're sinners with the same, as it were, DNA code uh, or gene of Adam. Notice this, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 says these words. The Lord says, for I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Yaakov, for Jacob, are not consumed. In other words, God is saying here, I'm showing you, telling you of my immutability. My immutability. I do not mutate, he says. He's not a mutating God who changes with the wind. When he sets his love on his own, he loves his own to the end. And when he sets his spirit in a man and a woman, he keeps them sealed by the Holy Ghost of promise until the day of full redemption. For I am the Lord, Yahweh. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. He's saying the impossibility with man is that man cannot save, rescue, deliver, nor help himself. He's the same. Our hope, our help is in the Lord. Our hope and our help is in the Lord. Notice the Lord says, Jacob, not Israel here, because he's looking at the old nature, the old flesh, the old man here. Jacob means twister, supplanter, heel grabber. He was a cheat, a con man. And in his very flesh, his DNA from Adam, as it were, we find that in his own flesh, he's a sinner. Death has entered in. And the Lord says, you're still the same in the flesh. You change every day. Everything about you changes, but I don't change. Now notice here, brothers and sisters tonight, your flesh and my flesh is corrupting and decaying every single day. We have this death from Adam that is in us. Sickness comes until eventually death would come. 
Paul puts it like this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. Speaking of the world, he's saying, Among whom also we all had our conversations or our lifestyles in time past, in the lusts of the flesh. Notice the lusts of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The word nature there, you can underline it and write phusis. If you want to anglicize spelling, P-H-U-S-I-S. And it means you were by nature the children of wrath. In other words, you took on Adam's nature, Adam's fallen nature, his sinful nature. You are a sinner. And sickness and death has come into Adam's race. Notice the word phusis means germs. By lineal descent. That which is an Adam or was an Adam has come into every one of us. And we are by nature the children of wrath. We are under God's wrath. He says you were, we're saved in Christ. We're washed in the blood. We're forgiven of our sins. And we're on the road to glory. Aren't you glad tonight? Even though that you're still a failure. To the flesh, that is. Even though before God, we, we sin before God, and I pray not with importunity, and I pray not with a constant uh, away with you. With an open course of sin, I pray not. But we sin because our flesh is still flesh. Our flesh is still flesh. The only difference between your flesh and my flesh and the man and the woman who's in the pub here, wherever it is around here tonight in this town, nothing. Your flesh would sin as much as their flesh if the Holy Ghost would let you. Your, sin would, your flesh would sin as much as theirs if the Holy Ghost would let you. And I'll tell you, the other difference is this. You're being bought with a price. We're waiting for the change of God to come when he comes again. Notice, brothers and sisters, the unchangeableness of God has been called, listen, the sheet anchor of the church. I know one or two like to sail or know a bit about sailing. I had to look this up. The sheet anchor of the church, and this is what I'm told about the sheet anchor, it's been defined as an extra anchor or a large anchor used in emergencies. It is a final reliance or resource when a ship is in danger. So apparently I'm told when a ship is in danger, either A, the anchor, and it's not enough to stabilize a ship, they have a sheet anchor to help stabilize it. Or if it breaks, they have a backup anchor in a storm. But notice, it's only used as a last resort. And brothers and sisters, I, I find it, even in my own walk, This could be a last resort that I think about these things when it should not be the last resort. We should be regularly telling ourselves, reading in the scripture and learning more of the immutability of God. You know why? Because whenever you feel you can't, you remember he has not changed, he can't. When you feel I can't go on, he tells you, that's okay child because I've got you. The immutability of God should not be the sheet anchor that just holds us whenever we need it for uh, emergency sake, but rather we should always meditate on the immutability of God. Through the unchangeableness of God, it guarantees the perseverance of the saints because he remains the same. Notice this. It, it guarantees the perseverance that whenever hard times come, sickness comes, and all those things come that, that pull you down, within you is God persevering in you to keep you going. He's the preservation of the saints and the perseverance of the saints, and it's because of his immutability, his unchangeableness, that this happens. Notice it's through, not through our unchangeable love to God. It's not through our unchangeable love to God but it's through his unchangeable love for us. The hymn writer says, I change, he changes not. The Christ can never die. His love, not mine, the resting place, his truth, not mine, the tie. Whatever it is tonight, whether it be a sickness, illness, a bondage, 
whether you're feeling low and down, dry in your faith, no matter what it is that's holding you, binding you, dragging you down and keeping you away from God, I want to tell you, he has never changed. He's the same miracle working God tonight. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. God's unchangeableness enables the believer to trust for his unchangeable promises, plans and purposes to be carried out in our Lord Jesus Christ through us. So, DNA, Adam's DNA, we all got that. We're the sinners. Death has entered our mortal flesh. Sickness comes to our mortal flesh. DNA. I wonder how many of you tell us what it means, the big long word. I'm going to try and pronounce it. Doxyribonucleic acid. That's what it means. Don't ask me to say it again. <laughs> DNA. But here's what I called it. And this is what I wrote down when I thought about it. Depraved nature of Adam. That's your DNA. Depraved nature of Adam. And every one of us has the depraved nature of Adam. Father Adam. Every one of us has that nature within us. Now you notice 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Notice that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Notice this, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now being partakers of the divine nature does not give us the little God syndrome that you hear about. It's not we're partakers of his essence as though we're gods, but partakers of his holiness. Of his holiness. Notice here, the divine nature is the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in the believer. And it's not just spiritually, but it gives the idea that it's the material nature of Jesus in us. For example, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. So at the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will receive our full redemption. At the resurrection of the dead and the translation of the saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 42 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. At the coming of Christ, our full salvation, our whole redemption will be at the resurrection of the dead and the translation of the saints when our bodies will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. The depraved nature of Adam will go. The depraved nature of Adam will be changed into the DNA, the divine nature of Abba, the divine nature of the Almighty. We will be like him and we will have no more sickness and no more pain, no more loss, no more hurt, no more testing, no more trial, and there will be no more devil to test us, to tempt us and to take us further from Christ. So Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. By the way, the word change not means I don't disguise. All of the miracles that we know, God of the Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament who uh, done all of the miracles that we know about, who showed all the dreams and vision to Joseph to save Israel in Egypt and Egypt through Israel, and the God of the Old Testament who brought them through the Red Sea. The God of the Old Testament who uh, fed them water and quail and manna. Who kept them alive. Three million almost of them probably. Three million. For 40 years in the desert land. Who had provision and enough to keep them. The God who brought down Jericho's walls. The God who done all the wonderful works and the, the wonderful things of the enemies of God's people whenever he thwarted the enemies and he cast them to the side and many of them didn't have to lift an actual arrow nor a sword nor draw a bow. God worked in miraculous power. This is the one who says, I am Yahweh. 
I am the Lord, I change not. He says here, I don't disguise and you find I'm another God in the new covenant. The God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. And he's the same God this very evening. The God in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the same. Yahweh in the old is Yahweh in the new. Yahweh in the old is Jesus in the new covenant. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. God is unchanging. He is immutable. Meaning it is impossible. You ready? It is impossible for his character or his being to undergo any form of mutation. God will not mutate and we find that he's something else that we thought he was. His power does not diminish. And his love for his own is as great and as enduring as his almighty power and glory. Jeremiah 3, 31 and 3 says, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The, 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 the immutability of God is that sheet anchor. Really, instead of using it as a last resort, but maybe you're at a last resort, understand this then for your last resort. Understand that he doesn't change no matter how you feel. He doesn't change no matter your circumstance around you. He doesn't change no matter what's happening in your life. He doesn't change no matter the sickness that come upon you. He doesn't change and he is the same working, miracle working God who works in sign and wonder in the year 2020 as he did way back in the Old Testament as we read. Notice this. His love for you has not changed. You might feel God's fell out with me. No, he hasn't. He still loves you. His love for you has not changed. He says, yeah, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And then in Isaiah 61 and verse 8, he promises an everlasting covenant. And this is where we rest on tonight. The everlasting or the new covenant of God. Notice this. Isaiah 61 verse 8. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Then in Hebrews 13, our chapter, further down in verse 20, speaks of the blood of the everlasting covenant. Why does it speak of the blood of the everlasting covenant? Because it's here where Jesus paid our debt of sin. It's here where our sins are paid in full, where he's saviour. It's here where he carried our sicknesses in his own body. He's the healer. It's through here. Listen, there's no Pentecost without the cross. There's no Pentecost without the cross. Coming by the way of the cross and the blood of the Lamb brings us into Pentecost. He's still the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. And through this, he is a soon coming king to take his own to his kingdom. Notice this. Jonathan Edwards, listen to what he says. Jonathan Edwards says, the mutability, immutability provokes sinners to enmity. Try and catch this. Immutability provokes sinners to enmity. The world hates God because it knows that his unchangeableness guarantees he cannot forget or overlook its rebellion. God does not forget the sin that's happening in our land, in this world. Doesn't matter how long it's been. There's some people and they've committed sins years ago and because it's a way into the eons of time, the years have gone by and maybe even they're very old and they think it's all gone and it's all forgotten. God remembers it like it's happened right now. Unless you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Unless you're saved and born again of the Spirit, he's the Savior. He is still the Savior. Notice what he says. He cannot forget or overlook its rebellion, but for Christians... Notice, but for Christians, the unchanging character of God is the rock upon which we will stand in all our circumstances. Why are you telling us about the unchangeableness of God? Because I'm going to pray for some people and I want you to understand the healing is not in my hands. None to do with me. We're just making room for God to do what he wants to do, to build faith in your heart. That he is the same one who done all of those miracles. He's the same tonight. He is the same this very night. Notice he's the saviour of the soul. He's the healer of the body. 
He's a baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he's the soon coming king. Briefly, first of all, saviour of the soul. He came to save. He's the only saviour. Shall call his Christ as the only saviour. Matthew 1 and verse 21, the angel says, I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He's the only saviour. And it's only in his name can you be saved. It's only in his name, Acts 4 and 12. Peter says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's the only saviour, and his is the only name by which we can be saved. And thirdly, he's the only sacrifice. The only sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He came the first time as the sacrifice for the sin, but he shall appear the second time without the sin, and he's coming to rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. This is our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we serve and love tonight. Secondly, he's the healer of the body. Healing was essential in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The miracles that he performed, he had compassion on the people. His compassion equaled, notice, his power. His compassion equaled his power. There's some people, and they get power, and they have so much power, they treat people wrong, as in other countries and you know, dictators and so on. Christ had the power of the universe, the, the holder of the universe, the creator of the universe, the keeper, the maker, and the sustainer of all things that ever there is, is in Christ's power. It's all indwelt in this man. Yet he had such compassion. His compassion was as great as his power. The compassion of Christ will reach you tonight because he loves you. Because he loves you. He is the almighty, omnipotent, immutable God. The lame would walk. The blind would see. The deaf would hear, the dumb would speak, the diseased were made clean, the weak received strength, the dead were raised to life, demons and unclean spirits were cast out, bodily systems were renewed, and bodily functions were reclaimed, all because Christ came down into the sin-cursed world. And when he came, he came into the devil's backyard when he came into the devil's backyard, known as the prince of the power of the air, or the prince of this world system of things, he came right in and he destroyed all the works of the devil. So Christ came for it. He destroyed the works of the devil. The one who whispered in Mother Eve's ear, I shall not surely die if you take of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. I shall not surely die. Twisting the word of God. And she heard the word wrong. And because she heard the word wrong. Her eyes seen. It's good to look at. It's good for food. And she took of the tree of life. Of knowledge of good and evil. Sorry. First John 3 and 8. For this purpose the son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. I want you to remember this tonight. God is a good God. <laughs> God is a good God, and the devil is a bad devil. God is good all the time, and all the time. God is good, and that means tonight. The one who had compassion still has compassion. The one who loved still loves tonight. The one who had power still has power tonight. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's where it reads. And it magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here, Jeremiah 32 and 27. The Lord has asked this question a few times in Scripture. And this is what he says. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. 
Is there anything too hard for me? God asks you tonight, your flesh. He made you, formed you in your mother's womb. Is there anything too hard for me? The word hard, by the way, is the word uh, for too hard is pala. Pala. And it means, is there anything too wonderful? Is there anything outside my power's jurisdiction? That's what it means. And he's asking this question. And when we read this tonight, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too wonderful for me to do? Is there anything outside my power and jurisdiction? When I tell you something, there was a man, not mentioning any names. Doesn't, he's not from this country. There was a man and he started proclaiming that God could only move on earth when you and I as God's people gave him permission. He preached it all over the place. He got into an airplane and it crashed. Now you listen, God doesn't need permission from any of us to move. Whether we believe he moves or not. God, whether we believe that he moves or not. God needs permission from no one. Because he is the sovereign, omnipotent God. Notice here, is there anything too wonderful or marvelous beyond my capabilities and powers? And we say, no Lord, it's not. And listen to what Isaiah 53 and 5 says. We know it off by heart. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. And the argument with this is, well, it really is just our sins we're talking about. No, it's not. We're going to show you. No, it's not. Notice here. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The word peace is shalom. You've heard of the word peace before, haven't you? In the word shalom. Well, shalom, you and I think of peace. It's like, oh, give my head peace, a bit of time to myself. You know, in a little quiet room or just let me get my thoughts. A bit of peace. Shalom doesn't mean that. It means perfectly whole well. Peace of mind, peace of spirit, peace of body. That's the word peace for shalom. Now, I notice this. With the stripes we are healed. The word healed is rafa. And it gives the idea of of blueness of wound. That's what it means. You know when a wound turns blue? The blueness of the wound. And all the stripes in Christ's back, it gives the idea with those stripes, it wasn't just marks like this. His whole back was just a mass of mush. It was the idea of one massive mess. And it's the word Raphaf, Exodus 15 and verse 26. He says, For I am the Lord that healeth thee, Speaking of healing them that were uh, poisoned with serpents. He says, I will heal you. Notice it's the same word in Second Kings 20 and verse 8. Hezekiah is told he's going to die. He cries to the Lord. And Isaiah goes back into him with the word of the Lord to say he will not die. That God will give him 15 years. And listen to Second Kings 20 and verse 8. Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will Heal me. He had a sore boil or he had a tumor. What will be the sign God's going to heal me, he said. And he says that the, the sundial or the sun would go back 10 degrees on the dial or forward. And he says, well, make it go 10 back away because that would make me really believe if the sun went back away. It talked about his boil. It wasn't about sin here. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who, what does it say? Forgiveth all thine. He forgives our iniquities. Hallelujah. Have your iniquities been forgiven? Have your iniquities been forgiven or the washed in the blood? Have your iniquities been paid for, all your sins and transgressions, by the blood of Christ? Hallelujah. We can praise God for that. Who healeth all thy diseases. Oh, and I don't know about that. Who healeth all thy diseases. 
who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So here the word healeth is Rapha, the same as in Isaiah 53 and 5. With his stripes you were healed. Matthew chapter 8, if you'll turn with me. I want you to read it. I want you to read it and I want you to get the word into you. Verses 16 and 17, Jesus is healing. Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17. When even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Verse 17. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah. That's what we're only after reading. 53 and 5. That might be spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Infirmities and sicknesses. Notice, we're being pointed for what Christ is doing, all this healing and casting out of demons, to the, to the prophesying of the cross. Of Christ dying on the cross. He's coming, he's coming, and when he comes, with the stripes you'll be healed. The word here for infirmities, asthenia, it means feebleness of mind or body. Maybe you're feeble in mind and body. Maybe you're weak in your mind and you're struggling. God's here. Reach out to him. Sickness is here. It's a word, no sauce. No sauce. And if any of you are medically minded here, I know there's some... Maybe doctors or nurses would come to us. But the word nosos is it's from what's known as nosology today in the hospitals. That's where it comes from, this word for sickness is here. Nosos. And it means medical science that deals with the classification of diseases. It comes from the Bible. Bore our sicknesses. Medical science that comes from the classification. He bear me is the word bastazo. And it means to take up with hands in order to hold it to oneself. He took up their sicknesses. He held it to himself. That's mine. I'll take it for you. I'll bear it for you. I'll do it for you. Notice here. In John 19 and 15, and he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. The word bearing his cross is exactly the same. He took his cross to himself. I'll bear this for you. It's the exact same word. I bear this. He carried the wooden cross on his shoulder. I bear it for you. Now, Isaiah looks 750 years toward prophesying. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With the stripes we are healed. Here he comes and he's born in Bethlehem. Goes into a man and he's starting to heal. To bear, to take to himself. And then Peter after the cross, after the grave, after the resurrection, after the ascension of Christ, the glorification of the Lord Jesus. After it all, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter's looking back. Isaiah's pointing forward. Peter's looking back. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah says ye are, now it's done, he says ye were. You know what the word healed here means? To cure, to make well, to be made whole. To cure, to make well, and to be made whole. He's the saviour of the soul, the healer of the body, and he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost.
John 20 and verse 22, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Look, I never knew anything about a Holy Ghost. Even when I got saved, I didn't even know if, what a Holy Ghost was, what the Holy Ghost was. I had no idea, none whatsoever. I didn't come from a Christian home. I, I didn't come from a, I'm a church, really, church family or a screw up. I was more like a heathen. I was a proddy heathen. Lost in my sin. When I got saved, I knew something happened to me. When I got saved, I knew something had drawn me and shown me the cross of Christ. The preaching of the word. Well, I thought this was great, but this, this was me fixed for life. This is me fixed for eternity. This is wonderful. But I can tell you, three years later, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in my own living room, standing by myself. I began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Notice Acts chapter 2. We read of then the Spirit of the Holy Spirit being poured out in the day of Pentecost upon the 120 in the upper room. Now notice, turn with me to Acts 19. I want you to read this verse. And I'm going to skip on because I want to pray for folk and time's moving on. Acts 19, just one verse. First, oh well, yeah, let's read verse 2 and we'll see where we go. Maybe verse 6. Paul says the, the Ephesian believers, now they're saved. They've been baptized by John. They've repented of their sins and he's went to meet the believers at Ephesus. Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. But you're saved. Is it not the Holy Spirit who quickens us, regenerates us and makes us alive? To behold the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it not the Holy Ghost who draws us to Christ? Is it not the Holy Ghost who who comes into the life then and, and, and throws out the devil? And here Paul's saying to Ephesians believer, Ephesian believers, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? <laughs> we haven't even heard of her being a Holy Ghost. And they asked them what was their baptism. They said the baptism of John unto repentance, that is in water, repenting of their sin. Verse 6 says, And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Listen, brothers and sisters, they didn't speak other languages. This doesn't mean other languages here. Languages and prophecy. So if they're going to speak a certain language from another country, what good is that going to do in among the whole group of them are standing there and they're believers in Ephesus church? What good is it going to do? People are saying, it's only ones who are prophesying. Prophesying. People are saying, it's only to do with all their languages. Listen, that can happen. And that has happened. This means that they spoke with other tongues. The glossolalia. They spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. He is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Can I ask you something, believer? This is not a condemnation. I promise you, trying to help you. And I love you. I mean that. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Here's another thing. Have you sought him? I sought for three years. Day and night for three years. Fourthly, he is the coming king. In Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, ye men of Galilee, says the man standing there, why gaze ye standing, gaze, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. Notice this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him 
go into heaven. Now, brothers and sisters, we don't know the day and the hour that he's coming back again, but we do know that he's coming back. And listen, here is the final change of our body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's going to come a day. We're going to hear. Nothing secret about this. Notice. A shout, the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the graves are going to open, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. I'm not secret about that. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, here's what I'm trying to show you tonight. The same God who became flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, his only Son, Ascended into glory after paying our debt in full, paying for our sin and our sicknesses and rising from the dead. Ascended and glorified. He's our great high priest and he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's going to be a day when your loved ones who have passed on in Christ are going to rise from the grave when he brings our loved ones home. You're going to be changed. You're going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The body that you're in now, whether it be in the ground or whether it be you're alive and when he returns will be changed. This is my last scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. You can read from verses 51 to 57 or the whole chapter later. Let's just read verses 51 and 52. Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In other words, not everybody's going to be dead when Jesus comes. There'll be those that sleep or die. And are going to be those who are alive. We shall not all sleep, but whether we're dead or alive, we'll all be changed. That's what he's saying. Verse 52. In the moment, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. You know what I heard someone arguing about over that one recently? That that Trump is Donald Trump. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. That's not Donald Trump. That's the Trump of God. Don't let anybody pull. Honestly, there's some wackos out there. Some weird ones. This is the trumpet of God. The victory of Christ coming to subdue all things under his power. Christ is coming to rule and to reign. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The God who raises the lifeless flesh, the, the bodies that have decayed to dust, if I can say the word DNA, atoms, Nature within us, the depraved nature of Adam, and have went into the dust of the ground. I don't know how he does it and how he's going to do it. I don't need to know. All I know is the word says he's going to raise that up. He's going to raise it up. Now, if God, who is the God of all flesh, can raise that up, just like that, he just calls it. It's like Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus was dead four days, and he comes forth. Someone once said, oh, uh, uh, that was a trick because he shut at Lazarus so Lazarus would know when to come out. Listen, if he hadn't a shut at Lazarus come forth, if he had a shut at come forth, someone once said, if he had a shut at come forth, every, every dead body would have raised in Jerusalem that day. The whole lot would have come out. That's the power of Christ. Now that Christ, the same saviour who has saved you, is the same one who can heal you tonight. And we're going to pray. That the Lord will touch you tonight by this mighty power and his outstretched arm. Who believes Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever? I believe it with all my heart. Louise, would you please? I believe it with all my heart. Louise, would you play for us for a minute, please? 
I want you to know why Louise is getting up ready to play a couple of things for us. These hands are men's hands. See if I could heal. I wouldn't need glasses. I'd heal my eyes. And I'd lift a few wrinkles. I can't heal. I can't make you better. I can't cure anything. I couldn't cure bacon. And that's the truth. I can't heal you. We're bringing you to one tonight who can. This is to encourage you. Is Sharon Hall here tonight? No, she's not here tonight. Sharon Hall came in to our last church. We prayed for her and it was like nothing happened. Just prayed for her and the way she went and sat down. And she'd been ill for years on piles of tablets. She, I'm not speaking out of turn because she testifies of it. And she was, uh, she was on tablets for years. She had to give up her business and she was bedridden and she managed to get down and we had, and, and actually at one point we'll laugh at this now because she says, I'm a good free Presbyterian. We don't believe in those things. Well, she came down that night and God touched her. There was no flashing lights. There was no big voice from heaven. Just prayed, went back. The next morning she got up and she hasn't looked back since. She's off the tablets these years and she's back working again. Her husband, her husband got his wife back. And Jackie Murphy down there. Jackie Murphy came. She couldn't hardly move her shoulders. Was it arthritis, Jackie? And what happened? The Lord healed me. The Lord healed you. We just prayed one night and Jackie went home and that was the end of it. The Lord healed her. Listen, she could do that there and touch hands. I can't even do it. <laughs> I can't do it. The Lord touched her and the Lord healed her. My own wife got healed of me. Many of you know her story. Touched her. No one had even prayed for her. The Lord just came and touched her like that there. Many of times I had to actually get her and feed her. That's how bad she was. She could hardly move an arm. She was wasting away at times and had to feed her. The Lord touched her and raised her up and she hasn't looked back. And I can't stop feeding her. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. I'm telling you, the Lord does these things. I've had loved ones that have passed away and they weren't healed. I don't understand it. But what I'm saying is, let's come and say, Lord, here I am. We'll pray with you. Let him do the work. Let him do the work.